0: Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. And tonight we're going to be talking again uh, about the uh, the Terror Year of 1937 in the Soviet Union. Um, this is we're coming to the end of uh, Everyday Stalinism by Sheila Fitzpatrick, um, and there's still such a, a lot of interesting stuff to say. Um, the thing that she's really drawn out in the bit that I'm going to talk to you about. Is the relationship between um, the, uh, the the Stalinist um, uh, state, the Soviet press, uh, and the terror itself, and how the Soviet press was put to use in shaping a particular sort of narrative um, about the you know those who were considered to be guilty parties, the the usual suspects. Um, and the the sorts of individuals who were were, were being denounced. Um, There's a kind of an irony uh, at play in some of the newspaper reports. The newspaper reports reported on these, these dreadful things that were being uncovered, like corruption and cronyism, um, and the fact that some party members or many party members would have regional networks of um, of blat, of um, which is you know a term for um, you know it's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, and this was, uh, this was the kind of thing that Soviet citizens knew all about. The, the, none, of this thing, none of these things were secrets. Um, it was long understood that um, most of the party was, was corrupt in this way. Whether the people who were being put on trial were actually guilty of these things um, is another question. But certainly this kind of crime is widespread. The things that Pravda accused party members of were the sorts of things that, if they had been said by ordinary members of the public a year or two beforehand, would have been seen as uh, anti-Soviet or hostile. So by 1937, you have an an organ of the state, the, uh, the Soviet newspaper Pravda, articulating these things that were previously been seen as anti- soviet uh, and that shows you that this is this kind of Stalin's um, cultural revolution and his sudden his war against um, the, uh, the Soviet bureaucracy and the party bureaucracy itself um, which was um, how we can kind of understand the terror had had begun to do that which previously had been had been unthinkable. So um, Sheila Fitzpatrick writes of several examples where um, the public were uh, public anger was motivated or mobilized uh, against party figures. She writes, a Kazan newspaper, for example, chose luxurious lifestyles um, as a ground of attack. In, um, in writing of the recently disgraced leader of the city Soviet, um, including leaders of the city Soviet, I beg your pardon, including P.V. Aksensov, uh the former Soviet chairman and husband of the later Gulag memoirist Eugenia Ginsburg, um, who faced criminal charges for the misuse of government funds. It was alleged. That they built themselves an elite Dasher settlement, taking funds from local building trusts, as well as soliciting contributions from factory directors, who would be who would be among the users of the Dashes out of their directors' funds. Um, the dolce vita uh, the Dash, um, these Dashes was described as below. Life at the dacha was lavishly appointed: breakfast, dinners, suppers, snacks, and drinks. Bed linen, bed linen everything came for free hospitable hosts generous at the expense of the state did not have to bother with any financial calculations here in the shadow of the pines and the fir trees no one worried about accounts and accountability they spent money as they wished without the usual formalities Altogether, about two hundred twenty-five thousand rubles of state funds were wasted on exploitation of the dashes. Um, it's, and obviously using the term exploitation in there, which is used, is put in, in big speech marks, uh, was a definite kind of uh, code to to the reader who was uh, who would be versed in in the, this, this kind of Marxist Leninist discourse.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: Um, the, in, in a time of shortage, in a time of, of widespread hunger, um, and, and, and of housing shortages, these sorts of stories were perhaps designed less to make people terrified of, inter, uh, of uh, internal sabotage, and furiously angry uh, about the um, the fact that they were being taken for fools by these um, corrupt party uh, party figures. A similar description of luxurious living accompanied Pravda's attack on the director of a Komsomol publishing house. Edie Lanchester, um, who, described, uh, who was described as a bourgeois degenerate, who, unceremon- who unceremoniously ripped off the state by furnishing his apartment in expensive Corellian birch and providing himself with a, a luxurious apartment in the publishing house's Dasha. These stories. And the behaviours that were described in them were characteristic, as as many uh, of the readers knew, of the whole cohort of communist cadres, even though they were being attributed only to a certain scapegoated group of enemies of the people. So the public were largely kind of uh, not fooled uh, by this, and, and saw this kind of behaviour as as fairly typical of what party members got up to. Um, The whatever idealism that existed during the 1930s, and there was some, um, there's, um, as we've looked at when we looked at this book in in the past, plenty of Soviet citizens who believed that um, a new country, a new new world really was uh, possible as a result of the revolution. But for the vast majority of the population, um, a a kind of a weary cynicism had set in long, long before um, there was long, long before 1937. Outside of Russia's political elites were um, the Soviet uh, cultural uh, elites um, who may well have been party members. Um, but in many ways, were were kind of a, a class set apart from um, their, the, the, the um, political class that was uh, increasingly uh, the victim or the, the target of, of Stalinist terror. Um, the intelligentsia, uh, writes Sheila Fitzpatrick, included communists, many of whom held important institutional positions, and some of whom had been oppositionists. They were personal there were personal and family ties between the political and cultural elites. Galina Sarabriovska, for example, was the wife of one defendant in the Piatkov trial, and the former wife of another. The communist journalist um, Leopold Averbach um, was the, the leader of the Association of uh, Pro- uh, Proletarian Writers, uh, RAP, as he was known, until his def- uh, dissolution uh, in the uh, central, uh, by the Central Committee in uh, 1932. He was a friend uh, of the brother-in-law. He was a friend and brother-in-law of genrik Yagoda, uh, the chief uh, perpetrator of the terror before he uh, got rid of by Um uh, um, ahead of the NKVD, uh, the poetess Vera Inber was the daughter uh, of a cousin of Trotsky's, and and so on. So there is a, 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 a and there had been since Maxim Gorky, you know, a very very close relationship between party and intelligentsia. At certain points, the intelligentsia were the victim of the party, and it would turn that in the nineteen uh, by nineteen thirty seven. The in members of the intelligentsia that understood Stalin's wishes and whims and were on the, on the right side of Stalinism would be some of the the chief proponents of the terror, um, and some of the kind of the uh, intellectual voices of the terror. A web of client patron connections linked politicians and leading members of the creative intelligentsia, writers, artists, theatre people, scholars, and scientists. As for engineers, they often worked so closely with communist bosses in industry that they were liable to share their bosses' fate if the latter were disgraced. Finally, the intelligentsia had the elite status and privilege, com- privileges comparable with those of the communist managerial class. If there was to be terror against the elites, denunciation of privilege, the intelligentsia was unlikely to escape unscathed. The first, um, Sheila Fitzpatrick calls it, the first plague bearers in the intelligentsia were communists with an oppositionist past or oppositionist connections. These were the sorts of people whom it was terrifying to know. Um, These were the sorts of people whom if you had uh, a friendship with them um, or you were related to them then this was a very frightening time and the chances are there would be almost nothing you could say to the NKVD when they came to arrest you. Um, There were those who would seek to denounce members of the intelligentsia or um, people who had been associated with oppositionism as quickly as possible to denounce them uh, before they indeed could be associated with them. And this, this created an incentive for Soviet citizens to look at members of their family, even who were politically suspect and to find things to accuse them of that would then please potential interrogators in the future and to uh, present yourself as as a kind of a loyal member of society. Richard Bickell, um, a dramatic, um, a drama critic, A member of the Union of Writers who had once headed Zinoviev's secretariat at the Comintern and had been active in the left opposition, was a defendant in the Kamenev-Zinoviev trial in August 1936. Within a week of that trial, the Central Committee cultural officials had sent party leaders a memo about oppositionists and other possible enemies in the Union of Writers. As the memo made clear, arrests among the writers had already started. Serebrikova and several former members of the RAP leadership were among those named under, uh, as under arrest. And there was a reason for serious concern about others. Vera Inba, for example, for her family connection to Trotsky. Ivan katiev uh, because he had given money and friendship to various disgace, disgraced Trotskyites, Ivan editor of the journal Novy Mir, because he had published um, Piquel's work, and so on. In self-criticism in the Writers' Union, other names had surfaced, including those of well-known writers who were not members of the Communist Party. The poet Boris Pasternak was in trouble for not signing a collective request from well-known writers for the execution of Kamenev and Zinoviev. The prose writer Yuri Alisha was in trouble for defending Pasternak and for having been a drinking companion of one of the show trial defendants. So the entire sort of cultural establishment—you're looking at kind of literary giants like Pasternak—were um, under the threat of constant suspicion, um, and this was, you know, obviously a a, a great way. Of ensuring their, their total compliance, but it was it also um, led to the, the kind of a, a great cultural chilling effect um, throughout the this kind of uh, this grouping of people thought of as uh, the Soviet intelligentsia, and there were of course those who um, uh, many of many of the uh, most famous writers in rap um, became um, proponents of Stalin and if not active um, arguers for the terror then
1: Post your free job on
0: linkedin.com slash achieve today. Apologists for um, Stalin's mass arrests um, and the the sorts of people who would not just make a good case for terror to Soviet citizens, but these arguments are are exported and heard in uh, communist parties across Europe and also Europe's Uh, And America's um, uh, fellow traveller movement, the uh, left liberal intelligentsia, um, who uh, looked upon the Soviet Union uh, either as a uh, kind of a a necessary um, force of of modernisation, however brutal, or um, part of the, uh, you know, actually a kind of a, a utopia. It's worth Observing about the fellow traveler movement, as uh, David Cote often points out and, and in his or did point out in his book the fellow Travelers that they um, believed that this was a good thing for Russia that um, Russia was being transformed by Stalin, but very few of the fellow traveler movement ever wanted anything remotely Stalinist to actually happen in their home countries which betrays a kind of an an oddly colonial attitude um, in uh, in, in many ways. Um, Sheena Fitzpatrick writes, in the early months of 1937, Leopold Averbach emerged as the center of of vilification in the literary community. Averbach became totally demonized, a satanic figure like Judas Trotsky himself polluting everything and everyone he'd ever come into contact with. Although he was called a Trotskyite, Averbach had not really been an oppositionist in the 1920s. Although he had admired Trotsky, his real sin was the close connection with Yagoda, together with the fact that as a former leader of rap, the main instrument of persecution of writers during the Cultural Revolution, He had made many enemies who welcomed the opportunity to settle scores. One of Averbach's fellow leaders of RAP, the playwright Vladimir Kirshen, who was also a member of Yagoda's social circle, was exoriated with almost equal vigour as Averbach. One of his attackers was his former wife, who complained that he had physically and morally abused her. So, revolutionary terrors present opportunities for sometimes the 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 pettiest of set of of, of kind of settling scores and in the case of aberbach that's clearly what's happened here is somebody who had been um a a, a bully to his um fellow writers during stalin's cultural revolution of the of, of, of several years earlier uh, and he, there was now an opportunity to remove him. And terrors also give um, opportunities to ruthless careerists when um, there uh, the, the, there is the need to have somebody removed uh, a, a violent, bloody terror. is quite handy in that regard. Contacts with Bukharin, personal and institutional, as well as professional, Damaged many reputations in the literary and scholarly worlds. As one commentator in Literary Weekly put it, it it was necessary to burn out Bukharin's influence. Bukharin was not yet under arrest, but he was already disgraced and isolated, and at the February-March plenum, he had been subjected to a devastating cross-examination by Stalin, Molotov, and others, and the plenum had expelled him from the party young communist intellectuals who had been his disciples. Your little school, as Martov contemptuously put it, had already been arrested and testified against him. In May, Bukharin was expelled from the membership of the Academy of Sciences. Nikolai Gorbanov, the Bolshevik chemist who was permanent secretary of the Academy and thus had a distasteful task of acting as prosecutor in Bukharin's expulsion, did not survive him long. So um the, the, the culture of denunciation as well um was uh, very effectively used by the NKVD, particularly if you look at the, the case of Bukharin, who um was uh, f- utterly friendless by 1937 um, long before he's put on trial himself um, and uh, eventually, eventually convicted and, and executed. Bukharin um, has uh, become the victim of this sort of social purge where those who uh, once looked upon him as a mentor, looked upon him as perhaps uh, the, the kind of the, the, the future of the Soviet Union on the right um, began to um, ostracise him under the threat of denunciation and uh, arrest themselves. The beginning of the great purges in the Red Army came in June 1937 when a new and shocking plot was disclosed, that of Marshal Mikhail Tugachevsky, Gerald Yona Yakir and other top military leaders. None of these men had belonged to the opposition in the 1920s. A closed court-martial convicted them all of treason, specifically uh, of organising a, politi- a political military conspiracy with the support of Germany, and they were immediately executed. They had been caught Red handed as spies, Pravda said, in a rambling speech that closed discussion of party leaders. Um, uh, at the close discussion of party leaders that followed the executions. Stalin noted that those hunting for enemies of the people would not necessarily find them amongst former oppositionists. That may or may not have comforted former, comforted former oppositionists, but it surely intensified the fear by party leaders with irreproachable political pasts. A week after the execution of the military leaders, Pravda announced that it had received a letter from the former wife of Yakir, in which she announces she announces and curses, denounces and curses her former husband as a traitor. This letter, presumably coerced, did not save Sara Yakir from punishment. She ended up in gulag um, in a gulag with a teenage son, encountering amongst other old acquaintances the young wife of Bukharin. The wives of big enemies of the people were routinely arrested along with, or shortly after their husbands. Natalia Sats um, ended uh, up in a room of wives in Batyrka, in the Batyrka prison, uh, along with the wife of Marshal Tukhachevsky. There were even special camps in the Gulag for wives of traitors to the motherland. So, here we here we have. Um, Something again that's really um, hugely uh, a hugely distinguishing feature of the uh, the Soviet uh, the, the the Soviet terror, um, the way in which uh, once again newspapers denounce not just the uh, you know the the, the notables um, you know these significant figures of party and army, but also their family members and the way in which um, wives uh, and children are uh, uh, arrested. Uh, And the reason for arresting them is the um, assumption that if you share the private life of this individual, you must have known that they were a traitor. And if you knew they were a traitor, and you can't not have known, and you didn't denounce them, you must be one too. Um, this is the, the 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 logic or the illogic of it, um, and so the uh, the question um, is therefore, uh, what is the individual hiding behind the facade that they put on to the world? Um, how have they been corrupted by this, this dangerous enemy of the people? Of course, it's all com- you know, complete nonsense and and, and fantasy and paranoia, but. The fact that it's nonsense and fantasy and paranoia um, still tells us uh, um, the fact that it's, it's, it, these are ideas that that are kind of operative that make things happen tell us an awful lot about the the, the functioning of the terror and, and its its purpose and its its kind of deeper kind of uh, our, our ideological roots. Um, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna finish there. Um, I guess the only thought to to mention is that there had been a a kind of an institutionalized uh, fear or suspicion or a belief in uh, the, the, the danger of enemies within since 1917 and in fact the entire regime was built on this this whole concept that there was always always someone to blame and there was always always somebody looking to subvert what the Soviet Union was trying to do. There are enemies without, but even worse, enemies within. and how the regime basically functioned, Its operative logic. Okay. Well, thanks very much, everybody. Um, And um, if you can, you can check us out. I'll be posting this podcast down on uh, the website, explaininghistory.org. There's some new content going up there fairly soon. Um, and, uh, do remember if you can support the podcast on Patreon, that would be great. And, uh, thanks very much for listening and I'll catch you next time. All the best. Bye bye.